Sean. And this is The Walking Dead cast episode 334. And we've got a strange indeed takeover. What? <laughs> yeah, before you shut off your podcast and <laughs> check out which podcast you're listening to, this is The Walking Dead cast. And as you can tell, you're not Jason. I'm not Jason. I'm I'm not even as good looking as Jason. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have that going for me. But you know, we're here. It's kind of like back in like the early 90s. I don't know if anybody's a wrestling fan out there, but like when the NWO came out, it's yeah. like, this is a takeover because, you know, Strange Indeed is just too sweet. <laughs> we are pretty awesome. <laughs> People are probably wondering, what the hell are they doing here? Where's Jason? Where's Karen? Or even Lucy, who's on here a lot, too, or some other guest hosts. Um, we should probably say that we are filling in for Jason and said co-host. Um and actually, we were the co-hosts this week that were supposed to be helping out Jason, but uh, he has escaped to Northern California to escape the um, dreaded toxic mm. air in his neighborhood due to the terrible California fires. So we are filling in for him this week, and we hope you enjoy the show, right? Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited, too. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Um, and speaking of this episode, um, it is made possible by Patreon supporters like Ashley Snow, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, I've met S- Ashley. She's pretty awesome. So, Rima, you and I, I- I've never done a Walking Dead cast before. Uh, I'm super excited to be on here. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. We've been on the show a couple times. Uh, each yeah. time has been more for Comic-Con. Uh, so this is the first time I get to talk about the Walking Dead cast, the thing that brought me to the the Dead cast. And yeah, this this show has very much had a love hate relationship for me. Mm. And this season, I was like this. This was, was almost like this close to being like I'm done. Like I just I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> not you not and because, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> not because it's too violent or too much. It's just kind of like oh, I wish they made different choices. Mm-hmm. But so far this season, I am completely invested. Besides, like, the five minutes in the last Rick episode, I'm pretty happy with how everything's going. And this episode was was pretty good, I think. Wasn't wasn't the most exciting for the season so far, but was a good good episode. I agree. Yeah, I've I've had several moments as well where I'm I I've wanted to to rage quit, um, and I haven't. I've kept up with it. I have like my outburst and my reaction that I'm not always proud of, but I always come back to the show. So I, I agree. I. You know, it's it's a strange new world that we're in without Rick right now. So um, I think that's where we got a lot out of this episode was, you know, some character driven things that happened for a couple of characters in this episode, which I'm sure we will talk about in our top five. So yeah, I'm with I think, you. I think the season's pretty good so yeah, far. I think overall okay. for this episode, I'd probably give a 3.3333333 uh, zombie feet brought by dog. 
That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think I'm going to give it a 3.75 brains. <laughs> I was expecting just a slightly more out of the penultimate um, episode for the, um, you know, before the midseason finale. So it wasn't terrible, but I just wanted a little bit more, but that's okay. We'll get into, into the details as we jump into our top five. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Ready to start this party, start this Deadcast party with just you and me and no Jason or Karen or gosh, this, this would be weird. This is, this is I think, the first time this has happened. So this oh, is we're a breaking new ground. We are breaking new ground. It's it's very strange. So I'm excited it's, to talk about it. You could almost say it's strange indeed. <laughs> to go in with our takeover. <laughs> Jason so doesn't know fun. it yet. <laughs> Jason doesn't know it yet. It's a takeover. <laughs> it's happening here. Don't tell him anybody. <laughs> Let's just keep it to ourselves. <laughs> so with that, why don't we get into our top five? Sean, why don't you start us off this week and tell us your number five? All right. So my number five, uh, you know, Early in this show, when these communities were kind of uh, starting to appear, they, they really had kind of this group mentality and seemed like they're trying to work together, uh, you know, against like this common enemy, the, the saviors. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this episode, it felt even a little bit more in the forefront that these communities are, you know, it's kind of like today's age of neighbors. Like you might know your neighbor, but you definitely don't want to talk to them. You know, you mm-hmm. cross them in the street and you're like, hey, Bob. And they're like, hey, Sean. Like, oh, God, Bob's coming over. Hey, Bob, what's up? Um, I have a message for you. Oh, yeah? Okay. Thanks, Bob. Bye, Bob. That's all you want. Right. Uh, you know, and, and as they're taking uh, Magna and her group to to Hilltop, they run across a couple guys from Hilltop. They have no clue who they are, which I think during some parts of this uh, season, you kind of knew or saw that they, they didn't know everybody in the communities, which so that's not too uncommon. But it was definitely the thing that struck me is, the conversation between Michonne and these guys on these horses that were basically coming to deliver a message was very much kind of like proper and more like the kingdom speak. Like it felt very fake to me. You mm-hmm. know, like whenever Ezekiel comes and meets people, he's, he's just got a very verboseness to him, a very, you know, like he's on a stage. Yeah. And that kind of felt like what I happened here as well. You know, it's like, oh, we have a message for you, Michonne. We have one of yours, and like, like they let it hang there for a second, like a Shakespearean, like, oh my god, they captured somebody. Like, no, it's the one you call Rosita. She is injured, and we are tending to her needs. Thank yeah, you, it, kind traveler. I know, I kind of got that too, and I think that was kind of interesting because I think that you know it's been at least six years since you know we lost Rick, and it's been seven since um, you know even even prior to that so some time has went by and i feel like we've seen some of that you know king ezekiel is still the king and he still is who he is i think there's a a, a part of, of him that you know will always kind of have a little bit of that bravado and a little bit of that showmanship um that that he used to put on that we saw in the beginning when we were first introduced to him but i feel like after some of this time you know some of that's kind of dropped away you know, we kind of get to see the the real people and they don't kind of need to put that show on because now all the communities kind of know each other, even though they don't seem to be communicating very much at this point. They all at least seem to know each other. Even Negan in the last episode, right? Even Negan yeah. kind of dropped the whole, you know, shtick of, you know, his 
how how he used to speak, you know. So and he seems to be talking in like a normal type of tone and in, in speech that that you would expect a person to to speak in. So you know, it, it was I thought kind of interesting to see that you know some of these fellas that rode down from the kingdom were kind of still putting on that show a little bit. Um, but that was fine. Did you speaking of these this fellas? Did you happen to notice? I'm just going to throw that in there. Uh, who who the one that was telling giving them the message? Did you notice who that was? Uh, uh-uh. who was it? Stay golden, pony boy. It was, <laughs> it was C. Thomas Howell. Oh, nice. <laughs> From and anybody who's an '80s child like myself, um, you know, C. Thomas Howell um, was big in the '80s, and of course, uh, very well known for uh, playing Pony Boy in The Outsiders. Oh yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, and in one of my favorite movies, uh, horror films, uh, The Hitcher, the original Hitcher. Okay. From back in the day with him and Rutger Hauer. So anyway, for anyone who may have noticed or maybe didn't notice that that was C. Thomas Howell um, delivering that message from from the hilltop up there. Or sorry, the kingdom. Tough life. You go from being an outsider to riding horses in the apocalypse. To, to a messenger, right? <laughs> to a message boy. <laughs> <laughs> on a pony hey, it all fits <laughs> nice time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just interesting we're, we're definitely seeing the, the split in these communities they're definitely not working together um, there's a lot of talk about this fair and how uh, Alexandria doesn't want to take part in it mm-hmm. uh, so I'm not sure if, if it's you know kind of like the you know the, the relationship you have where both people aren't talking to each other because they're both mad but they don't want to know let the other one know that's like hey you know I still care about you I still want to make this work or if it's the fact that, you know, Michonne is literally like, hey, we're, we want to cut ties 100%. Um, stay away from us. Because, uh, again, I we don't they, – they have little nuggets that something happened in this six-year run that we don't know about. Yeah. You know, something, something of big importance, too, which a lot of times when we've seen these time jumps – I think we've seen a couple time jumps, you know, over, like, winter and stuff like that. There's not really anything that happens. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you remember the time in the – uh, shipping containers. Oh yeah, that was a rough day. But this looks like there's like a big, big event that was of note and that should have been should be talked about at some point. So um, I hope so. Yeah, I don't know if that's what caused the split or if it's just kind of natural or or what happened. But yeah, that's my number five is uh, just the split in the communities. I like it. Yeah, I think probably gonna have a little bit more to say about that um, as we continue. Uh, well, my number five, uh, I, I'm just going to start like where we started in the episode, and that's with the cold open. And, you know, we see Rosita, she, you know, kind of running through the woods, and you can tell she's really scared, um, and she keeps hearing things in the background. But I was kind of confused because I thought, okay, is she really hearing those things, or is she, is she thinking that she's hearing those things um, in her head, or is she repeating in her head, what what she heard while she was escaping, I don't know where you know where that kind of was because she's looking around and she can't see anything. You know, we don't mm. see anything following her, but she's running from something. So we know that something happened uh, with her and Eugene, and you know that we find out later that she's left him behind in in a barn. Which, <laughs> thanks, Rosita. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to the What happened to the never leave a man behind, right? <laughs> but, um, but when we saw them last, they were hiding um, kind of down in that embankment covered in mud, hiding from these walkers. And, you know, we, are, you know, think that we heard something really disturbing. And that is, you know, some some type of whispering or something that happened as the walkers were passing them by. And that uh, really 
freaked them out. I mean, the look on Eugene's face in that last episode. So that's where we left them. And then so we pick up with Rosita, you know, scared and running. Eugene is not with her. Um, so what happened after that, I'm, I'm interested to find out about and exactly what happened. I guess we're probably hopefully going to get that in the next episode anyway. What, what were your thoughts when you see when you, you know, you see Rosita running and you can hear these things in the woods? What did yeah, you take seemed, away from that? It seems like she bonked, you know, hit her head pretty. I say bonk her head because I got a kid <laughs> and we're talking about the monkey jumping on the bed. She bumped her head really, really hard. Yeah. So again, it's like, okay, is she hearing these things? It's just in her noggin. But, you know, it's, you know, and this, you know, it's been six years. It's been, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years total that this has been happening. And I feel like at this point, they've really gotten a good grasp of walkers and, mm-hmm. you know, big herds they have trouble with. But still, it's kind of like, OK, here's the things we do to to save ourselves from these walkers. But, you know, she had to leave Eugene behind and it seems like she still feels like she's being, you know, chased or stalked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are these kind of more like stalking walkers, you know, st- stalker you know, walkers, stalker walkers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that she just can't like shake and she seems very shooken up. Um, I would imagine that the flare gun is like a, a very much a last ditch effort kind of thing because, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen them do other things or maybe it's other TV shows or movies that, you know, they'll use flare guns to get the attention of zombies or walkers. So I'm sure that would be the same thing here. You shoot something up in the sky, makes a loud boom, you know, walkers are going to go towards that. So I, again, it was a risk. It yeah, was very risk. much. Yeah. And you had to, the risk is like, okay, I'm here at this tree. I can't move anymore. I just, hopefully somebody's around to save me. Cause she was pretty far away from her, you know, from Alexandria too. Cause yeah. it was, uh, Aaron and Jesus that found her. Um, so she lucked out there, but, um, you know, we didn't get a whole lot from, you know, the little talking it sounded like we had in the last episode. You know, we really didn't see anybody talking or anything in this episode, or they just kind of seemed like they were, in the background maybe or in her head. So I'm really curious to see how this plays out in the final episode next week. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. And and I even found myself surprisingly caring a little bit about Rosita and I was actually a little bit worried and scared for her just a little, which surprised me because I've never been a big fan of Rosita. So <laughs> I've always been pro Rosita. <laughs> I bet you have uh, <laughs> probably <laughs> along I mean, with many 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 other um <laughs> male fans of the show (laughs) and the zombie apocalypse wearing those shorts and stuff i mean those are tactical shorts you've seen me in shorts shorter than that those are tactical you get very good movement they're perfect i have um (laughs) yeah i i will not deny she can wear you know a pair of short shorts very well i'll give her that um and she's cute in pigtails but i just never cared much for her character she just especially there um you know some of those days she really had a chip on her shoulder so i was really just ready for her to be offed and i would have been perfectly fine with that but uh you know i actually i think i've had enough of a break from her that uh you know i'm able to kind of do a little bit of a reset with her so i was you know actually actually kind of worried for her and um was glad that she made it through and i'm interested to see she has to say about what happened with uh, her and Eugene and going to find him. All right. So number four, what, what is yours? All right. So my number four, uh, my last number, I talked about split communities and you know, there's, you know, I mentioned Shakespeare as well. So I think it's ideal for us to mention my favorite Shakespeare play, Romeo and Juliet. Ah. And I know what you're thinking, Remo. You're like, mm. Romeo and Juliet. What the hell are you talking about? A little. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Romeo and Juliet is the tale of two people that love mm-hmm. each other, but they're from two different families. They can't, you know, be together because the families won't allow it. 
So they have Aww. to sneak off together and they, you know, they hang out, they cook food together, they, you know, wrestle a little bit, practicing karate. Uh, yeah. Rima, my number four uh, is the Romeo and Juliet of this story right now, I think, and that is Aaron and Jesus. Aw, yes. That so, makes sense. Yeah, they don't really come out and say anything about it. Um, there, there's been nuggets dropped, you know, in previous episodes that, you know, these both both these guys are uh are gay, you know, they like dudes. Um mm-hmm. and it seems like they've kind of hit it off. Uh I think in earlier episodes I'm I, I think there was kind of was there somebody that said something about one of them being single? I might uh, be mixing in something this else in this up. episode or not this episode. I think in oh, okay. previous episodes. I feel like Michonne or Maggie talked to one of them about the other one being single. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, I it could have very well that I've overlooked that. But you see these two together, you know, they both want their communities to come together. You know, they, just in that aspect alone, but it seems like they have this connection for one another. And, you know, you see this kind of wasteland and to be able to find somebody that, you know, you can love and be with and enjoy the, each other's comfort company. You know, I think we're going to get that with these two. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see that. You know, I like, too, the fact that Jesus, you know, is a, we've, we haven't got to see a ton of it, but Jesus is a badass. Yeah. He is really good with martial arts. You know, we saw it, I think, in the very first episode he ever showed up. There was a couple pieces in the trailer where we see him get to be a real badass. And mm-hmm. him sharing that with other people is, like, extremely valuable. Like, he should be having, like, these karate classes every day at whatever kingdom or, you know, Alexandria or the hilltop. Because this is a skill that's very useful. You know, yeah. like, you have two zombies getting you. You know, you put them in an arm bar and rip their arm off and then stab them with it. Like, that's exactly. skills you need in the zombie apocalypse. He needs uh, to have, like, Jesus pop-up gems all over the <laughs> franchise community all, all, all over the different communities and and teaching people and, and but yeah it's a very very useful skill i haven't seen anyone else that has his same types of of, of skills that he's had and, and it's unfortunate we haven't seen more of it because it's really fun to see jesus be a badass we got to see some of it in his introductory episode you know several several seasons ago when he ran into rick and daryl when they were out on the road we got to see a little bit of it and we've seen bits here and there but you know um and we did see it this episode but I, I hopefully we get some more of that it's super fun to see jesus kick some ass for sure but yeah I, that's my that's number a, four just seeing these two together i'm curious what your thoughts are on that or, like or if maybe it. i'm reading too much into it or, or did anybody else get those vibes of these two seem like they want to be together oh well i don't know if i got it so much from those two being together i certainly got a vibe of like camaraderie between the two and and genuine friendship and whether you know it builds from there i don't know i have been a jesus and aaron shipper since um aaron lost eric uh what was that a few seasons ago whenever he died you know i didn't i didn't want him to just you know die so i could get them two together but i thought oh well you know hey that's convenient now we can get aaron and jesus together so i would love for those two to to be together you know in an actual relationship um you know, if they can find a way, I don't know if they feel they can be away from their communities because obviously Aaron is really big in Alexandria and was, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning since we first met the Alexandrians and Aaron several seasons ago. And then Jesus, you know, was a really big part of his community at, at Hilltop when we met him and clearly in this episode still is. So I don't know how easy it would be for just one of them to up and move to the other's community so they can be together. But I do love you know, this uh, camaraderie that they have built up and how they see each other in secret and how they're trying to keep the lines of communication open between the two, 
you know, communities so they can kind of be aware of what's happening. Because like we already said, something has happened in this six years that we don't know what has has really broken the relationship between the communities just when they were all starting to kind of come together, which we saw a lot of that, you know, six years ago in the first what like four or five episodes or so before we lost Rick, how the communities mm. were all, you know, trying to trade amongst each other and they were, you know, commuting to each other's communities for trade and, you know, also keeping up on, you know, helping each other build and sharing information and and to see how it's, you know, broken down at that point, you know, I, I'm really curious to find out what's happened. But I do love uh, Jesus and uh, Aaron together. I love that Aaron is learning. I thought it was I, I did not know what to think when all of a sudden you see someone flying through the air and knocking Jesus <laughs> yeah. off his horse because I did not see that it was Aaron at all. It was just like this person flying through the air and I could think it was somebody bad. And I'm like, oh, no, not Jesus. <laughs> You heard me, didn't you? Well, you're still a little heavy with your left foot. <laughs> yeah, it was, I thought it was really adorable. I love them both on the screen together, and I wouldn't be mad if they got together. Um, so, yeah, I like it. Good number four. Um, so my number four, I want to talk a little bit about someone in the new group that we've been introduced to, and that's Luke. Uh I really liked in this episode. So we we knew from the previous episode, Luke uh, is a as a music teacher, and I found that to be a really um, interesting. You know, someone from the educational side of things, kind of being brought into the world um, or into our current world. And I really liked what he had to say in the last episode because uh, they were like, "Well, who were you then?" And he's like, "Well, I was a music teacher." And then they said, "Well, who are you now?" And he said, "I still think of myself as a music teacher." Mm. And I love that because he said education doesn't just stop it continues and it's ongoing and i'm like oh thank you i i love that so much because i i love how he's traveling and he saves these instruments uh to preserve art and culture in the post-apocalyptic world because i feel like when it kind of settles which it kind of has now i know that they're still kind of in a survivor mode i know that there's still walkers out there they they're still dealing with with these herds um and they're having to still survive. But I feel like they've kind of gotten to a place where you can start kind of appreciating a little bit some of the arts and the culture that we had and were able to appreciate before, you know, the zombie apocalypse started. And I think it's so important to preserve that, that yes, today we need to survive, but let's, I like how he's thinking about the big picture of tomorrow that, well, when we're not having to survive every day, this is, you know, this is important for us to focus on. It's important to pass this on. It's important to keep it, you know, present and not forget, you know, our culture and history and art and appreciate these types of things. So I love how he's gathering all these instruments as he travels. Um, and I was so, so sad whenever the Stradivarius yeah. was well, I love that half. When she cuts it in half, he goes through the spiel of like, this is a, I don't remember what year it was, like 1779 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all the people in his group like repeat the story, like, all right, here he goes. He's going to tell his story again about how he got to shake, you know, Luke Skywalker's hand and yada, <laughs> yada, yada. Uh, but, you know, this is actually my number three is Luke and art, because I think it, it just like in anybody's like day to day life, you know, with being the zombie apocalypse, like your biggest concern is surviving. Mm-hmm. And Luke and this group here, they they don't have this comfy lifestyle that yeah. the hilltop and everybody does They're they're out like scrounging day to day and they've been scrounging for who knows how long. Like they talk about these communities that they've been to, but all of them sound like they didn't end up very well. Yeah. So for somebody who is probably, you know, on very few rations, like 
just trying to make it day to day with limited amount of space they can carry stuff to have the thoughts and the the foresight to be like, hey, we need to save this stuff because, you know, at some point we're going to, you know, have to keep humanity going. We're going to have to keep these art going. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's good that he's like, because if he's taking them with him also, then if they can get to a community like they they they've stumbled upon alexandria or they didn't quite stumble upon it but stumbled upon judith who took them to alexandria but they've stumbled upon these communities where maybe they can settle and i mean who who knows who is left that can still play instruments that's true you know so i think it's nice that if if he's able if they're able to still travel with some of those instruments i know that you have to kind of pick and choose what you can carry if you don't have wagons and cars and things like that to travel with and you're just you know, your foot in it, you know, some things you have to leave behind because you can only pack what's absolutely necessary. And a lot of people don't see that these instruments are as completely necessary. And, and I see that, I do see that side, but I think it's so important to try to, to carry that on. And once you're in a, a safe place to continue that education, to continue the arts and, you know, if you know how to play an instrument, you should teach others. And Or if you know something about history and culture and things like that, it's important to pass that on when you have a chance, when you're not out on the road fighting every day for your life you yeah. know, or, or fighting to, to eat, you know, whether you're fighting walkers or you're, you're starving, you know, and you're trying to find water, you know, those things aren't the most important thing as far as like, oh, I need to do my guitar lesson today, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, but I, I love how have, he's trying to pass it on. You'd have like this bit of denial when everything first started, like, oh, this is just temporary. We're going to go back and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. But like you look at, you know, our structure of life and stuff today, everything's on computers. Like nobody really knows a lot of like, I mean, people know the history, but you know, like a lot of it's not written down. A lot of it's on computers. So Mm -hmm. you think if if all that stuff gets shut down, like six or seven years, who's going to remember those things? I know. Um, And you, you know, I think we still have a culture, a little bit of like sharing stories and passing stuff down. But you know, in this whole environment, is that going to end? And it's going to take people like Luke to be like, hey, listen, you know, I know how to play an instrument, you know, or I know history, or I know science, like Eugene. I need to teach the people around me so this stuff keeps going. And we have these kids grow up, they need to have some form of education and just kind of the normality of life so that we can kind of progress back to where we were. Right. Yeah, I, I like that. I think it's I think education is ongoing. And I know I really found interesting in the opening for season nine when uh, the group was in uh, Washington, D.C., and they went to the 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 big museum to mm-hmm. go get one of the plows and then they were getting a wagon. And it was cool to see, you know, some of them, I think Michonne and I thought one of the other characters and it escapes me at the moment were, you know, as they're kind of walking through, you know, trying to find, you know, the information that they need, like they were getting some seeds and things and they were going and looking for for the wagon and plow and things like that. And they just kind of take a moment and stare at, you know, the the walls of the museum and the paintings and, and what was still there after after the uh, the zombie apocalypse, you know, and it was just kind of like, oh, this is stuff we don't get to appreciate anymore. So it was kind of nice to see them take that moment and, and appreciate that. And you thought, gosh, how many, you know, well, you look at Judith and then you look at uh, little RJ and, and little kids that aren't going to be exposed to that. Are, are they going to be able to take a trip to that abandoned museum yeah. to, you know, kind of learn about that? And then, like you said, everything's so much on computers nowadays. There's no Google. There's no wiki you know, to be learning these things. And it's like, you know, are there still books available? And, you know, to be able to learn and teach the things that um, I think are, are going to be needed. Because you have to look at the big picture. 
this is what it is like today, but what about tomorrow? Mm-hmm. As you know, as you do get to you know in a bigger place of trying to um, you know grow civilization and grow all of these communities, and you know I, that's why I like that. And I have a big appreciation for arts and and the culture, so that's why I kind of hit. A little bit of a note. And I mean, to be fair, his point is a good one. I mean, mankind's culture needs to be preserved. Yeah, we have sure. to have we have to have something to enjoy when survival isn't the most important task of any given day, you know? I mean That's why every single podcast I do, I write down everything and then I uh-huh. bury it. So then one day when the zombie apocalypse happens, somebody will find that and be like, Look at this, the walking dead cast and strange indeed were the greatest things in history. Yeah, it's absolutely important. That's exactly what they're gonna say. Yep. It's important you make copies we- and copies and I like just throw them out the windows of cars. Yeah, do you do you uh roll them up and put them in the bottles and throw them out to sea? <laughs> yeah. A message in a bottle. <laughs> Anyway, I kind of rambled. That was supposed to be a short number four, and it wasn't. It was kind of long, so I apologize. Um, what is your – you said that was part of your number three. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say about? Yeah, that ties in my number three, and I really liked uh, – as he's sitting there talking about after his uh, violin got destroyed, he goes through like the the, the Homo sapiens and the uh, – I don't think I wrote down. What's the other one? Um, Neanderthals. You know, he's like, the Neanderthals were, like, more powerful, they were smarter, they had better tools, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. Like, why didn't they just, like, defeat, you know, the Homo sapiens? And he talked about, like, you know, 40,000 years ago, they found a flute. And he talks about, like, you know, coming around a fire, telling stories, you know, having music, having art was a, a way to create a common identity. It was a way to do it with art. And there's a lot of talk about this fair, you know, fairs are what, you know, it's usually just a good time. You know, you're, you know, there's shows, there's usually pageants, there's all kinds of interactive things that kind of build the identity of the communities that are usually it's one community bringing people from all over that one spot but you know you have state fairs you have county fairs you have stuff that pull from other areas too mm-hmm. so i feel like um you know him kind of talking about that's really kind of discussing the need for the fair for these communities to bring everybody together realize that hey we're all alike you know there's stuff that happened yada 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 whatever but we have to have some kind of common identity so we can keep growing and not destroy each other um, mm-hmm. So that that was the main point I had for my number three. I like it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hearing that the fair, like people who are up to date on the comics, and I and I don't know anything, so I don't think I can spoil anything. But I just I hear that it's kind of a big deal in the comics, or that people know about the fair. I don't know anything about the fair, um, so I don't know. But I think it any type of you know event like that that brings communities together is is always a good thing. Um, and all I can think of, and what if I think about a fair being thrown in the kingdom, all I can think of is like a Renaissance fair. Yeah, type fair is what I can kind of uh, imagine in my head that this is going to be like. But I feel like if they don't have deep fried Oreos, I feel like that's a big like. Yeah, well, they're going to have like <laughs> deep fried. I don't know what they have. Like you know, <laughs> I guess they probably have chicken. So you have deep fried chicken. You'd have deep fried maybe squirrel. Um, you'd have the dunking booth of the zombie. So you have the zombie up there and you're throwing the ball. And if you dunk it, you get a shiny knife from the black, the blacksmith, all that there kind of fun stuff. There you go. Stuff. I like that. Guess the, guess the walker weight and stand on the thing and like 20, uh, let's see, 89 pounds. His arm falls off. It's like, nope, 76. Damn it. <laughs> all kinds of fun events. Come one, come all. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I hope I wonder if we'll get that. Um, gosh, I feel like it's kind of off in the distance. They were talking about like there's still some like they're still trying to 
prepare for it. So I guess it's probably not going to be yeah, in the next I, episode. I guess it'll be in the second half. Yeah, of the I think season. that hopefully we start seeing the the you know the stuff getting built for it and kind of the more because really it's just been talked about and you haven't really seen people doing anything to build a fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing that's probably going to be later in the second half of the season. Uh, guess we'll have to wait, like always. All right. So my number three, I want to talk a little bit about Daryl. Um, so we get to see Daryl. Well, we saw him the uh, last minute there of, of the last episode, but now we get him actually speaking some words since we saw him last when we left him, when we saw Rick get blown off the bridge. And uh, I think everybody's heart broke, right? I know mine did watching Daryl's reaction, uh, thinking that he just lost his his best friend. Um, I think we were all Daryl in that moment. Um, and it, you know, seeing his emotions, um, I think we're genuine. I think it wasn't just Daryl Dixon. I think it was also a little bit of Norman Reedus there as well, having that emotion, yeah, um, saying goodbye it, to Andrew, Andy Lincoln. <laughs> as it happened, he's like, oh, grab my hand, brother. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we get get to see Daryl. The dude has gone full on Grizzly Adams, mm-hmm. uh, minus the beard. Um I didn't and think he was going to talk much. I thought he was just going to grunt like the dude for, or like the kid from, uh, um, oh, what was the, the movie with the Thunderdome? Um, Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. The kid yeah. in Mad Max. I just grunted. I thought that's what we're going to get from, from Daryl. Well, Daryl has evolved. It's taken him a long time, but I think he said more words in this season than what he has mm-hmm. in, um, you know, eight other seasons of The Walking Dead probably combined. So he did speak, and that was a good thing, but he's definitely isolated himself. And he he lives alone, with the exception of he's he's got a dog named Dog. Very clever name. Very clever name. I feel like, though, that's a very Daryl Dixon thing to do, to, to name his dog Dog. And it makes me wonder just a little bit, like, did he name him Dog so he doesn't because if you give a dog a name, it makes it makes the dog what I think feel like a little bit more personal. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe he doesn't want to get too like he's. You can tell he's attached. He's trained the dog. It's a really good dog, but he maybe if you don't give it a name, it keeps it. You keep that detachment maybe a yeah. little bit in case he loses him because I mean clearly you're in the zombie apocalypse. Something terrible always happens to the animals in the zombie apocalypse. So maybe it's his way of keeping some of that distance you know, by naming him just dog. But it sounds like he's been out there for a really long time because we find out he's been looking for Rick. Uh, or well, he was. Maybe not still when, when he runs into Carol, but he had been looking for Rick for quite some time. And it was I was really kind of surprised to hear that um, because he says, well, they didn't find a body. And so it's interesting that they were looking for one, which it makes sense that they would look for, you know, Rick. So that way, you know, if, if he... You know, if if he's dead, they're going to want to find him and bury him and bury him there with Carl at Alexandria, you know, and have a proper funeral for him, as they typically do for their people when they are able to. So I guess it makes sense that they were looking for him. But, you know, as they're looking for him, they didn't find a body. And he says it's just something that was just easier for him to stay out there. So it sounds like he's we know he's near the water, but he must be close to that site where it happened. It looked like there was a dam or something there behind him where he was. So he must be close to the site of where uh, the bridge blew up. Um, but I, I just found it kind of interesting how I think his character is, I think that losing Rick is something that his character kind of needs for Daryl to move forward. 
Um, yeah, I can see that. You mean just in, in terms of the show or in terms of the actual <laughs> character, Daryl? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I'm still kind of struggling with losing Rick and especially how it all went down. And I'm, you know, still am, feel like I'm still kind of on the fence. I feel like it's still too early for me to decide how good it, I mean, I think the show is doing well, but I still don't know how much I like the decision of not having Rick in the show because Rick was always my favorite character. So I'm still kind of feeling that a little bit. <laughs> so, um, but I think as far as Daryl's character, you know, moving him forward and he's replaced Rick with a dog, you know, as being like his best friend and companion. <laughs> I feel I a didn't little think bit about that. I, I, I did. I was like, so you lose your best friend. I you was know, going your, to your name brother. you Rick. I was going yeah. to name you RJ for short, but Michonne took that name for her baby. It's too much. But I think, <laughs> I think that this is, you know, because we know that Norman Reedus has become supposed to be anyway considered like a leader in in the show um he's become number one on the call sheet which is what andrew lincoln uh needed so i feel like they need something to propel daryl dixon forward his character so i think that this is is what it's going to do and carol going and finding him and asking him to help you know kind of keep an eye on henry and to kind of balance out uh henry's you know idealism a little bit um is something that's going to help move it forward so i'm kind of interesting to see where we go because i feel like Daryl's character's kind of been back and forth and, yeah. and kind of been off for so many seasons. And, you know, because, and you thought that losing Beth might kind of push him forward a bit, but yeah. it didn't really, I don't feel like it did what it was supposed to do. If it was supposed to do anything, I don't know what the real intention was when they went through that whole thing when they lost Beth, but it didn't, at least for me, didn't seem to do it. So I think that this is something that, because this is huge. This, this was a huge, huge loss for Daryl, right? When they lost Rick and, so I think this is something that they need to move forward with his character. And um, so I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. So this actually is my number one and I titled it Feral oh. Daryl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, you're talking about like, you know, uh, Carol coming out, bringing her kid and be like, I want you to, you know, take this kid who's a little bit of a dreamer and, you know, put a little bit of realism in him, mm-hmm. so he can kind of feel like, you know, you know, it's good to be a dreamer. It's good to kind of have these, you know, idealistic thoughts, but sure. you got to keep them safe by looking at like what the real world is. And I think, you know, she's probably thinking the same thing. It's like, listen, you two could feed off of each other because you know what, Daryl, you need a little bit of that pie in the sky thought as well. Yeah. Cause absolutely. all you think about is going out, shooting a snake and getting yourself a new snake necklace and um, getting a dog and then eating your snake soup and, you know, checking your traps and all that crazy stuff. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting is Carol's coming up here. She's telling her son, she's like, you know, careful. There's traps everywhere. And the back of my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, there are traps and there's emotional traps as well. Mm. Yeah. Cause Daryl's always seemed like he's, he's the guy that he, he always has like a rough exterior, but we've seen moments where he kind of looks more like a more caring and more emotional than he lets on. Yeah. You know, like he's the guy that got beat up for wanting to read a book or talking about something, you know, of his emotions. Cause it seemed like his family was just not those kinds of people. Yeah. Um, but you get a little bit of um, kind of maybe sarcasm or snarkiness when, when she, when he asked Carol, like, how's the King? Um, so again, you kind of feel like there's something there between those two that, you know, he's, he's still got feelings for, or he still feels kind of like he missed out on it. I think he kind of sees the King as a little bit of a, uh, just maybe too much of because he 
he himself, or at least Carol, kind of teased Ezekiel about being an idealist, too. Because she's like, well, I wonder where he gets it from, you know, when talking about Henry. Yeah. Because he's like, well, he doesn't see the world as it is. He sees it, um, you know, as it once was or as it should be, but not as it is. And she's like, well, I wonder where he gets that from. So I think that that Daryl kind of looks down on that just a little bit. I think that he probably respects her choice, but probably gives her a hard time about it because it's, you know, you know, maybe not quite who he thinks she would have ended up with, you know? Um, so I thought that was kind of funny that he gives her a hard time about it. I love their relationship. I do. I feel like, you know, we've always kind of questioned is Carol romantically or, or like, is Daryl and Carol like a romantic thing or more of like a, a mother son or, you know, an older sibling. I kind of feel like with her bringing Henry in to have Daryl kind of watch over him, it's more like you two are good for each other because you can take the best from each other and grow as people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we saw them working together and Carol was up on the hill ready to shoot, but she didn't shoot. She was letting them work together, letting it play out. Yeah. She's just like a mother bird. You know, she's there. It's like, okay, I'm going to let the birds try to fly. They're going to fall. I'm going to watch them. If anything comes around, I'm going to fuck them up. But I'm going to give them their space so they can grow. And it seems like that's what she was kind of doing there in that moment, sitting yeah. on the bank with a bow. Totally. Yeah. If, I, th I think if she had, I think she would have definitely jumped in had she needed to. We know she's quite capable, but I think that she was just, she was ready to, to strike if they needed her, but she was definitely letting them have that moment to kind of bond. Yeah. So they could kind of. Mama bear. Like, yeah. Like she's trying to throw them together. She's told Daryl very clearly what her intentions are, like why she's there and, and she wants Daryl to, to help her. Uh, with Henry uh, while he is at uh, Hilltop training and such. Um, but I think that she kind of wanted them to be able because she knows that she can't force it. She knows that she's got to like she can throw it out there, but she I think it's it's better for it to kind of happen naturally. So I think that she was allowing them to have that moment and to kind of build that bond and see and kind of had that, you know, thing that kind of brought them together, um, you know, so she can kind of. Uh, that way Daryl kind of thinks that you always let the guy think it's his idea. That's how you win. You, kinda, <laughs> you plant the seed. You plant the seed. <laughs> and then, you know, then you make them think it's their idea. And then that's when they go along with it. I'm <laughs> giving away way too many secrets here about what we girls do. But, but yeah, she's, she's letting that happen. Um, and so it seems more organic that, you know, he, he agrees to do that. And, you know, I know that she says that she's doing it for Henry, and I totally 100% believe that. I think it is probably good for Daryl to have, um, you know, to, to do this, but I think she's doing it as much for Daryl as what she is for Henry. She needs to get Daryl the hell out of this isolated life that he's, you know, built for himself. I mean, he's clearly for some time been isolated. I mean, his hair is, well, his hair's always a damn mess, yeah. but it's even worse uh, than than what it typically is, and she gives him a haircut, and I think, and I love that she not just gives him a haircut, but she really kind of takes it and brushes it off of his face. I think this is probably the best view of Norman Reedus's face that we've had since probably like season two when his hair was <laughs> when he had really the short. short. Hair. Yeah, whenever it was short, and he didn't have it all up in his face. So I think that that um, you know was kind of nice and an, a really nice, beautiful moment between the two. And I really wish that Carol had swapped places with Daryl and allowed him to cut her hair. I really dislike her hair. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> wouldn't have it's been so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't hate it, but it definitely feels a little like it's forced. Like it's just a little too much. You think so? Yeah. But I mean Carol's a character that I I, I really wish they try to push the focus of the show on her. 
Because one, I think Melissa McBride is probably the best actress, actor, <sighs> actress in this whole series. She's from so beginning good. to end. God, you know, she's good. You look at her story, her storyline throughout this whole season, not the season, I guess, but this whole series. Yes. You know, she was a, a woman who during the non-apocalypse was, you know, being taken advantage of and beaten by her husband. Mm -hmm. And when given the opportunity to stand up and fight, she stood up and fight. And I think she's the kind of person that would lead. Yes. And I would follow. I mean, you know, why did she wait to to kill all those uh, sa ex-saviors uh, in the last episode until her son went to sleep? Because she doesn't want to, I think, to give him that thought of like, oh, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But she knew that's the right thing to do. So she's still trying to keep, you know, her son somewhat innocent, but protected as well. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I can't say enough good things about Melissa McBride and the Carol character. I, I absolutely love it. Oh, I know. She's she's fantastic. I and I mean, and I, this is coming from someone, you know, when we first met Carol, I couldn't stand her, you know, from season one into season two. I hated how her whole reaction with Sophia when when she died. I mean, I, I know people experience grief differently, but she still annoyed the hell out of me. Um, so, you know, and then to see how she went from there to all of a sudden in season three, she comes out, she's this budding badass, you know, she was still kind of newish at, you know, this, this turn in her character, but I was like, wow, what's this? And from then on, I've just been completely intrigued. So yeah. Um, but I'm just not digging the hair though. I mean, I'm, I'm still totally team Carol, but I'm not team Carol hair season yeah. nine. <laughs> Maybe a ponytail or something <laughs> might work. Braid it. Yeah. Even braid just it look braid good. it. And, and it, it just, no, anyway, I won't linger too much. I know a lot has been said about her hair already. I feel like if I she shortened it and got a perm, I could probably dig it because it would remind me a ton of my grandma's hair. <laughs> and she's always reminded me a little bit of my grandma. Like, my grandma would be like this in the zombie apocalypse. Like, she would mess you up. That's awesome. Grandma badass. Well, that was that was my number three, so I kind of went on about that a little bit. What is your number two? All right. Uh, my number two is they, they hinted in it a lot this episode, but Maggie's gone. Uh, mm -hmm. She's packed up. She's taken little Herschel and she's left for Georgie. I think her name is. Yeah, she's up with Georgie wherever they're at. Um, you know, I feel like it was a little heavy handed a lot when they talked about it. You know, um, you know, Jesus is talking about how he won the, the election and he says, well, it's easy to win when nobody runs against you. And it's like, well, Maggie's left. And she's good and happy, and she's uh, got a new gig on a mm -hmm. different show. Um, this is the <sighs> one thing that I, I don't really want to complain about it too much, but I think The Walking Dead sometimes, like knowing the stuff that happens outside of the show, like the politics around the show, sometimes can ruin it for me. Because like when I heard that, like, oh, well, Maggie's gone. It's like, mm, yeah, I know why she's gone. Character's not gone. The actress had to leave because right. of issues with paying and all that, but they want to keep her around. Um, so that, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Does that stuff bother you as much or can you block it out better than I can? I've struggled with that. And I certainly struggled with, with knowing like I, like we all knew about what was going to happen to Rick and that this was his final season and then finding out, oh, and now it's Rick's three final episodes. And I'm like, oh, shit, now we're really going to know not just it's his last, like, I already know he's going to be gone. Now they're telling me the exact episode that it's going to happen. And then we also knew at the same time that Lauren Cohan was only going to be in a handful of episodes for the season as well. Um, the only thing is, is I think they kind of slid it under us to say, oh, 
not only was it Andrew Lincoln's final episode, it was also Lauren Cohan's. So it was kind of, I thought, mm. slightly underhanded because at least it, the, the one good thing, if you can take a good thing out of Andrew Lincoln leaving when he did and how it happened is at least we all had a chance to kind of prepare ourselves. Some people would probably disagree with me. I know a lot of people didn't like knowing. I kind of struggled with knowing, um, but I kind of made my peace with it. And I thought, well, maybe it's better that I know because at least I can I can prepare myself. It's kind of like mm. when you know you're going to lose a loved one that you can prepare yourself a little bit. Not that it makes it easier, but at least you know if it's coming, you can prepare for the loss and kind of get yourself in that headspace. With Lauren Cohan, if you if you love her as much or the Maggie character as much, and you know, even though you knew the end for her was coming, however it was that she was going to be leaving, whether they, they kill her off, which I don't think that we thought that at all, um, or you know, whatever was going to happen, you know, we kind of thought, oh, okay, well, we kind of know it's going to happen, but we don't know when. And they just kind of slid it in there. We didn't really have an opportunity to really say goodbye to Maggie because it's like one minute she's there. She wasn't in the last episode at all, wasn't even mentioned. And then all of a sudden, boom, hey, guess what? Maggie took Herschel and she's gone. Um, you know, I so I don't know. I think that it was, I think they did an okay job of trying to explain what happened and where she went. Um and I, I I do see that they kind of left it open-ended so that way she can potentially come back or we might see her again. Whether whether or not it's something here in The Walking Dead or if it's now maybe in the extended universe. We know, yeah. we know Andrew Lincoln's coming back in some movies. Will we see her in one of those movies? Will it be in a different spinoff show or will it be in The Walking Dead proper? You know, I don't know. But um, I don't know. I guess it was okay. I just thought it was kind of sneaky that they – you know, didn't say when her episode was. Maybe it was better we didn't know. I don't yeah. know what people's thoughts it, are on that. It might be strategic on, like, the writers and everybody's part because if you leave it vague enough, it's like, oh, yeah, she's gone with Georgie. Uh-huh. If she comes back, if she doesn't come back, you, you have a lot of room to – you're basically not writing yourself into a corner and be like, well, shit, we said she was, you know, alive. Um, we gave a specific year she left. You know, basically right now it's just, oh, she's gone. She's okay, we think. We don't really know. We got a letter. Don't know what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, don't watch her show on Tuesdays. At 8 PM. <laughs> right. Keep keep the ratings for Whiskey Cavalier really really low. <laughs> so Lauren Cohan comes back to The Walking Dead. Um, I don't know, and I'm curious to how much the how much her leaving the show has to do with the story, a kind of writing in her her leaving because of what's happening in the story right now, because we know that there's been some sort of conflict right now between Michonne and Maggie. Yeah. Like what's happened? Why? I mean, Michonne well, doesn't even want to go anywhere near friggin' Hilltop. She's like, I'm, it, it, it's kind of like, they're almost at like the halfway point. And she's like, okay, this is where it ends for me. And then they decide to go a little bit further and she's still going to kind of stop before they get up to the, uh, you know, the lead entrance there of the, of the Hilltop. And she's kind of like, nope, this is it for me. Um, well, that's where she finds out that Maggie's gone. She didn't know that. Right. And to me, it feels like Maggie's been gone for a while, like maybe a year, I, maybe more. I feel like. Which just tells you the distance between these groups yeah. now, how they're so segregated. It's like we were really seeing them come together. And I really liked that. I liked ha- having the communities together. I feel like that's so important to, you know, try to, you know, build up the trade and mm-hmm. build up communication. And everybody can still kind of be separate and, and rule themselves, but kind of still participate in each other's lives. And, and you know, friends going visiting each other and being a part of each other's communities and keeping in touch. And here's the latest of what's happening here. And, 
you know, um, just I think is what's necessary to build our civilization mm-hmm. instead of being so separate and and knowing that that's not happening anymore between those two groups. I was just really shocked. Um, well, I mean, it's very it, much it just different. like the history the history of our country kind of thing. Like each one of these are kind of their own state. So it's like, Hey, if you don't like how this one's running, like you can petition to go to this other state. Yeah. And so like each one of them has inner travel commerce, which, you know, makes the roads safer. You know, these communities are, you know, can perfect specific areas of commerce or specific trades and they can trade those goods and really help build each other up. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm wondering if like, we're going to get like, you know, kind of like we got with Avengers. It'll be like, you know, walking dead, Maggie civil war. Thump. We see like, Thor and Iron Man show up. Yeah. <laughs> that would make things really interesting uh, right about now. But um, yeah, I like that. That's a good good number two. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully we're going to get some answers soon because I really want to find out what happened. Um, they're certainly keeping me uh, interested. I'll give them that. All right. Well, my number two just kind of ties into that a little bit. And that's just about Michonne in general. So she is quite different, I feel, than where we left her uh, six years ago. Uh, her character is very different now, uh, and we saw a lot of that in the last episode, um, and then that carried over into this episode as well. She's she is very different. She's very much like, I feel like the Michonne we kind of met in the beginning. Uh, yeah, when oh, we yeah first, I see that. Yeah, when we were first introduced to her, she's very suspicious. Um, she has a, a bit of a chip on her shoulder, I feel. Um, and I, I feel, yes, there's a reason for that. We, they keep alluding, you know, to, to this something that happened, you know, like when Magna and the group came into Alexandria in the last episode, you know, sh- they keep alluding to something that happened that, you know, it's like they want to be kind to strangers. They want to let people in. They want to open their doors and be welcoming uh, because they were in the same boat one time, right? They were those strangers walking into Alexandria's gate. So they want to be welcoming, but something happened. And that's another thing that we don't know what what happened yet is, is what is it that happened that's made this group, and especially Michonne, so closed off and so suspicious of any newcomers that come in. We saw in the last episode, she has this big X a scar on her back it's kind of on her uh, left side there and did you notice that daryl had the same scar yeah he had two if i'm not mistaken well i know he so daryl had i know when he took his shirt off he had he seemed to have a big x also on his back on that left side he did have multiple scars he didn't have just that x um, but I saw just that big X, the same as Michonne's, and then he had other scars, whether it's from that same event or whether mm. it's just from these last six years of, you know, this, was you I, know. Was I wrong? Because I thought I saw two. I thought I saw one on his shoulder and then one about where hers was. I know I saw the one where his was. Now, I if there was another one, maybe I didn't see it as an X. I just saw multiple scars gotcha. across he's his got, back. He's got the scars um, on his face, too. He's got that- the one on his face, so I'm guessing that probably... Mm-hmm. It's just speculation. I, I guess it could be from anything. I mean, six years is a long time in the zombie apocalypse, but you're normally not getting scars from walkers. If you get scratched yeah. or bit from a walker, you're in trouble. So it had to be, I'm thinking, from people, right? You get scars and, and things like that from people. Well, and with both of them having the same kind of scars, it, it's more of like a marking of some sort. So it seems like something yeah. happened where somebody was, I wouldn't say branding, but it's some way of saying like, hey, this is... It's very specific, uh, and it's yeah. in a very specific location. People are joking like, oh, they uh, 
stole their kidneys. Somebody stole their, <laughs> <laughs> stole their Zombies come in at night and cut up the, the kidneys. We'll the just black, eat this. Nom, nom, nom. There's a, a big, big black market for kidneys in the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> apparently. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if it's a branding or if it was just a, a type of torture. You know, yeah, to, were be. they taken captive and, and maybe tortured? Because you remember, like, the wolves had, like, the W on their forehead. Yeah. You know, could it be something? I don't think it's the wolves, but, you know, I'm just, you mentioned the branding. So was it some type of specific torture from some group that came into, um, you know, Alexander that they welcomed in and they were taken over in some, some capacity or something? So it was interesting to see that now we have two characters that have you know, have those types of scars. And, and you can see that the damage it's done, clearly it's done something to Michonne. Um, and I think it's for good reason. I mean, you can kind of, you definitely kind of see why they would be gunshot. She's got two children to protect. Yeah. You know, she's got little RJ, she's got Judith. Um, and then, of course, not just her own children, but the whole community to protect as well. She is head of security. So, so I can kind of see that. But I just think it's very interesting to see how she's kind of gone backwards just a little bit with her character as well. What, what did you think about her? Uh, I'm in the same boat there. Um, I'm really curious. Again, she it seemed like she was very untrustworthy. She seemed very much kind of like Rick when he was in his Rick Tatorship, you know. Oh, yeah. I wish Michonne had a, a, a good play on words with her name. Um, Michonne-ership, I don't think really sounds very good. <laughs> I uh, kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> but she's definitely running a tight ship. She's not letting anything go. She's not – like she doesn't – it sounds like they haven't let anybody in for years, which again – with the story that Negan told us, like, you know, every time we bring, I brought in a stray dog, like the one time I brought the wrong one in mm-hmm. and he never brought one in again because his mom got chewed up, I think, and she had a scar. So, again, I don't know if his story ties back into what happened with them. Um, it didn't seem like Judith remembered anything with that because she I would think if they're having that conversation, she'd be like, oh, you mean like the so-and-sos. Right. So yeah, she I'm might curious to been, know how long ago that happened. Yeah. Like so how she soon after? Been too young if something did happen. Yeah, but but yeah, she's just like, definitely no nonsense, short to the point. If you want to ask her a question, she'll just be like, "Nope," and walk right out of the council <laughs> meeting, which I thought was badass from last episode. It was, it was. I like that. She That's how I exit all my meetings from work now. It's like I got one more question. I'm like, "Nope," and I walk nope. out. Nope. Yeah, I wish I had that authority. Yeah, I don't really. I'm too I, scared. Yeah, I yeah, I don't. Um, I work from home, so I can't walk out of any meeting. I just <laughs> I, I hang up, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> off the conference call. Um, but yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to have that authority and just be like, uh, nope, click. <laughs> I have to boss people around in my real life since I could, I could don't have that authority in 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 my work life. But yeah, that was I I did like that moment. But it's I I don't know. I'm just I'm interested to see what it was it turned her. Um, because it's like the other folks there in Alexandria are more open to it. At least, you know, they're like, well, let's think about it. Let's vote about it. You know, you can at least keep them in holding. It seems like they have a house to kind of keep them in isolated where they can't, you know, hurt people. They don't have access to weapons, um, and they can be guarded, you know, and kind of feel them out and see what kind of people that they are, you know, before you just rush to judgment and say, nope, sorry, and kick them back out and leave them to fend for themselves again out in the, out in the zombie apocalypse. Because clearly it's still pretty rough out there. You know, it doesn't seem to have gotten much better since, you know, Rick and all of them were uh, coming from, you know, uh, Atlanta up to Virginia when they were walking and making their trek up to, you know, before they got to Alexandria. You know, they they didn't fare so well out there, and it just seems, you know, to think about just kicking people out and, you know, leaving them on their own like that is, um, I feel like she was just kind of quick 
to to judge them like nope sorry but she did lighten up because she agreed to take them mm. to the hilltop and let them decide and then of course we get to to see what happened there so anyway that was my that was my number two uh your number one i know you talked about it a little bit did you what else did you want to say about your number yeah one? nothing really else to add about feral daryl um feral so <laughs> just uh, i'm curious to see his growth but it's interesting because uh, you know, they talk about like, um, I think pigs are the ones that, you know, like the, the first or second generation that's out in the wild becomes feral. I think dogs is like five or six, you know, generations th- before they become feral. Mm-hmm. And Daryl, it's just, you know, six years without Rick and he becomes yeah. feral. Well, he just kind of reverted back to who he said he was always going to become, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he always talked about that. He kind of did it a little bit in season two when they were at the farm. You know, everyone was oh, kind that's of, right, yeah. you know, up at the farm and you had, you know, Herschel and his family in the farmhouse. You had Rick and the group, um, like in the RV and tents, just kind of off from the house just a little bit. And then Daryl uh, kind of went, he was still kind of on the property, but you could see he was very far out in like this old, you know, might have been some burned down tiny little uh house that was on the property that all that was left was like this fireplace it looked like and he was kind of camping out there and uh, so he kind of just reverted right back to that again yeah i forgot he showed up with like the the necklace of ears so at least he's upgraded he's gone from a necklace of ears to a snake necklace i mean that's a plus (sighs) i did not i could just really do without that and before there's uh, no snake cannot taste good i mean you know i've heard i haven't had it but i've heard that it, it tastes like chicken hmm I don't want to find out. Uh, but yeah. If no, I don't know. I can't do snake at all. I don't want to see it. I don't want to eat it. I don't have anything to do with it. Um, and before anybody can say that snakes don't climb trees, they climb trees. Oh, they do. Yeah. I wonder if it was like the the scene from Waterboy where they're sitting around the campfire and they're like, "So, uh, what part of the snake are we about to eat?" Mm-hmm. And Daryl's like, "Well, snakes really don't have parts, but if I had to say <laughs> something." Uh, I guess we're going to eat his knee. <laughs> oh, mm, my God. Snake knee. Mama, mama says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> girls are the devil. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I, I get it. It's about survival, but I'd, I'd eat the rabbit over eating the yeah. snake. I don't I don't know. I've had rabbit, too, and, and not a big fan of that either. But uh, I don't know. Just anyway, feral Daryl. All right, so my number one is Jesus, the reluctant leader. I thought that was pretty interesting to see Jesus now going from like being the right-hand man, because he was kind of Gregory's right-hand man too, kind of, a little bit. At least he was kind of up there with him. He kind of advised him, kind of kept him in the loop. He did some recruiting for him. He went on the runs and scavenged, you know, did scavenging and things like that. Um, but he was kind of, you know, in there with 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 Gregory a little bit. Not to say that Jesus was a bad guy like Gregory was. Gregory was a total douchebag. Um, and then well, he, I mean, was, he kind of ran the show with Gregory. I think. I think he was the one that advised did. him. And Gregory just kind of was like, oh, like you said, you 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 give the guy the idea, you plant the seed. And it's like, oh yeah, that's my idea. Of course, let's bring him totally. in. Let's do that. Totally. I think he totally. I think he just also tried to kind of keep him on track because I mean, Jesus knew what Gregory was about. He yeah. knew he was a bit, you know. I don't know that he knew he was as bad as what he what we found out him to be when you know he was trying to plot to kill um, Maggie and such. But he knew he was you know what he was. But he I think he kind of kept him kind of you know down on the ground level just a little bit. Um, 
And then we saw him in that role with Maggie. He was very much like a lead advisor, you know, and right hand guy to to Maggie when when she was there. So apparently she wanted him to be in charge when she left. She's like, I want you to take over. You're that right person. And I mean, we've seen that this kind of role, like people are questioning, like, why aren't you leading? You know, they're asking Jesus, why aren't you the one leading? And he's like, that's not me. That's not who Mm -hmm. I am. And, you know, just because people have good leadership skills or they seem really capable doesn't mean one that they should be leading or that that's even what they want to do. Um, Jesus is very comfortable being out beyond the walls, you know, and I think that's that's something that you, you you may not think that you're a leader, but once you're put into that position, you can kind of let it actually come out and you could be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're in a situation where like, you know, cause he's had a ton of great ideas. He's done a lot of great things for these communities. And I think if, I don't know if it's, if he's reluctant because he thinks Maggie's going to come back and he doesn't want a power struggle mm-hmm. or he's nervous that he's now responsible for all these people's lives. Um, but I think like if if he just let himself lead, I think he'd be a good leader. You know, it seems like he's got the right mentality. He's got the right skills or, that are needed for it. It's just I, I we don't really know why he doesn't want to lead, I guess, is the better point. Besides maybe just thinking he's he doesn't want the responsibility. I think there's probably a little bit of both. I think that in one way he doesn't see himself. I think he still sees Maggie as the leader. She's gone. Yes. But and physically she's gone um, and somebody needs to lead Hilltop. Uh, but I think that he like he won't even uh, use her office because Tara's like, why don't you move all this yeah. crap into Maggie's office? She said that you could. And I think that he kind of sees that as like a, a finality that Maggie truly is gone and she may or may not come back. You know, we don't know at this point and he doesn't know if she'll come back. So I think that he kind of sees that as a true. Well, if I move in there, then that means it's it's kind of real. It just makes it real that he is the leader. So he, if he uses other offices, you know, just he, it feels like it's a fill in. But I also think that he does have. I think he's capable. I think he has good skills. I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders. But he just doesn't want to. And if you don't want to, then it doesn't matter how good of a leader you could be. If you don't want to be the leader, then you're not going to be. And I just think he doesn't want to. He's happier. You could see how happy he was with Aaron. when, And Aaron's kind of the same way. I feel because Aaron, you know, you know, that's how he met yeah. Rick in the group is he was like the recruiter for Alexandria, right? He He went on scavenges. You know, him and Eric would go out. And, you know, look for food and food supplies and they'd look for other people and try to recruit people. So they're both used to being out um, beyond the gates. And now you've kind of locked him up behind, you know, behind the gates. And he's I feel like he's probably getting a little bit of cabin fever and he's probably feeling kind of suffocated. And he's like, I just got to get out of here. And you saw that at the end, too, when they decided to go look for Eugene. He's like, I'm going, Mm. you know, you're just a similar story. It's kind of similar. I mean, the same story as Daryl. Aaron and Jesus. I mean, they all kind of have Mm -hmm. that same, you know, free spirit, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's fine to have that home base that you come home to. You can kind of relax and chill after you've been on the road for so many weeks or whatever. If you need to kind of, if you've got an injury or you need to, you know, regroup a little bit, but you you are just so much more comfortable being out and, and doing that versus being stuck doing, like, administrative work. I mean, he's dealing with a noise complaint for a kazoo. (laughs) I mean, yeah. really. And who, and, and yeah, giving the kid a kazoo, what the hell are we thinking? <laughs> I mean, no, that thing would have been, st- I mean, I'm all for musical education. I, I said that, but I draw the line at kazoos. So. Yeah. I, uh, my, uh, 
wife's mother just gave our son a harmonica. Oh. And I think I've had more fun with it than he has. So yeah. I would be like, oh, kazoo. Yeah. So Yeah. Oh, goodness. The grandparents love giving the kids noisemakers, right? Yeah. Anything that makes the noise. I know um, whenever my daughter was young, she had just learned to walk and was toddling about. And I don't know if this will age me or not, but she had they had uh, she had been given for Christmas or her birthday one year uh, one of those little rolly popcorn popper things that when you oh, like yeah. it's got the long handle on it and it rolls and it's got those little balls in there that pop like popcorn and is the noisiest loudest thing and the faster <laughs> you roll with it like if when you're because you have to walk. And as it's being pushed along the ground and rolling, the faster you run, the faster it pops and makes these noises. And it is one of the worst things in the world. And, of course, they did it on purpose because they were like, well, that's a grandparent's job is to, you know, buy these noisemakers and yeah. make you crazy. <laughs> so I, 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 I get that. But um, no, no, no kazoos, no, no crazy. And I get the fact with Sadiq and talking about the, what was it? It was a recorder. It looked like that. Oh, that was my first oh, instrument. Yeah. That was our first, all of our first instrument, wasn't it? it was that yes, darn it recorder was, yeah. you got in elementary school. <laughs> and that's when my mother decided that I liked art better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in my house too. <laughs> that recorder did not last long. In my house. But, um, so we know Maggie's gone. Jesus is leading. Michonne just finds out in this episode that Maggie's gone. We don't know how long she's been gone. We don't know how long Jesus has been in charge. I just feel like it's been clearly something really bad happened because these two groups do not even communicate at all. And that Jesus and Aaron have to meet in secret. Nobody knows that they're meeting. Um, Sadiq knows something because he, he said, you know, I, I know this and I'm not supposed to or I can't. You know, I, I said I wouldn't tell and, you know, so he, he, I'm curious as to, you know, how he was involved in that conversation and how many other people besides Michonne don't know. And and did something happen between Michonne and Maggie? I'm curious if Michonne blames Maggie for playing a part in Rick's death. Oh, yeah, maybe. I guess she kind of, um, that's actually a good point. That might be where it all started because she kind of laid the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of curious as to you know, what happened and why such a rift between Michonne and Maggie. We saw that they were starting to have some philosophical differences when they were talking about, because, you know, Maggie's wanting to to kill Negan um, that we saw a couple episodes ago, um, and then she didn't. So they were already kind of, you know, seeing not quite eye to eye, and then we lost Rick, and so I'm curious if she blames him for that, but hopefully we'll figure it out sometime soon. So anyway, that's that's my number one. What about notes? Do you have notes? Uh, I've got a couple notes. So I really like, I, I think this is the first time we've seen it, but using slingshots as weapons, yeah. um, really practical. I mean, rocks are all over the place. Uh, zombies heads are probably pretty soft at this point. So you could do some pretty good damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love when, I don't remember what the, the girl who um, is deaf, what her name was. Um, do you have that on you by chance? I don't have it in front of me. That's terrible. Um, I don't have, they're so new. I haven't learned their names yet. Um, but when she saves Luke, Luke signs thank you, which yes. I thought was – I really like that they have that the, the sign language going back and forth with each other. I do too. Uh, let's see. The new group, uh, they also call them sickos, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm, yeah. And then the first part – the first thing I noticed in this episode when it kicks on, we've got a very like 90s movie like Mall Rats or something kind of theme playing in the background. Like – you know, I'm imagining like Courtney Cox or Shannon Doherty coming out like in a 90s outfit. 
Uh, we see it's just uh, Jesus sitting there listening to a record, which I thought was kind of an interesting start to the episode. I like it. So that's all the notes I really had. Good notes. So you mentioned the slingshot action, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't think that we've seen that yet in, in the zombie apocalypse. So that was super fun. The only thing that I, and I don't want to like poo poo all over it or anything, but I had a little bit of a problem when they were doing it from such a long distance. Can That's you really, true, yeah. can you really do that? I mean, I've played a little bit with slingshots. I'm not an expert or anything, but you're probably looking at like 30 feet max. Uh -huh. Um, but I mean, then again, like you see these guys with guns and they're hitting headshots all over the place, which somewhat believable maybe, but still, I think that takes a lot of skill and practice and you're not going to be practicing much with limited ammunition. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, that is kind of the cool thing because the slingshots do use rocks typically, right? Or some sort yeah. of hard type pebble rock, something like that. There's really no shortage of those. Right. So that's mm. kind of nice. You don't have to worry about like, um, bullets or arrows and things like that. Um, so it's kind of. A, a cool way to to have a weapon that you can like go slice right through the head of a zombie because you have their heads are like butter where you just slice and dice and you're done um but i was just like they were doing it from really long distances i don't know that someone might prove me wrong and that's fine i i welcome that but i just thought that was a little bit too far um when you're when you're far away but anyway the, the deaf actress her name is lauren ridloff and she's playing connie it's her character's name. We got to give her some credit, man, because she is she's really fabulous. I, and mm -hmm. I think they're doing a great job. I love the introduction of American Sign Language in the show. And I love how the other characters, um, you know, use it and pick it up as well to kind of communicate between them. Anyway, um, talked about the dog. Glad that the dog. Uh, I really kind of got scared about the dog uh, when it was caught in the trap. I thought if we, you know, I almost rage quit the show when Shiva died <laughs> and I thought if we lose this dog even though I've just met this dog I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna have some issues um I was curious as to how Michonne identified that walker in that shirt as the guy from Magna's group uh they they mentioned I think his name was Bernie which made me think of Weekend of Bernie's oh my god <laughs> I'm really aging myself here um but his name was Bernie and they were talking about how he would wear this really loud, obnoxious shirt uh, yeah. just to get on Magna's nerves because it irritated her. And so here they see this Walker and she's like, I think this is your guy here. And I'm like, how? So yeah, he's wearing a really obnoxious shirt, but is he the only Walker in the ZA wearing an obnoxious <laughs> yeah. Paisley shirt? I mean, well, I mean, not only that, but I thought it was kind of awkward after she stabbed him in the head. She's like, hey, it's me, Bernie. I'm back. What's up, guys? <laughs> if she had start moving his arms up and down. <laughs> Don't get bit. <laughs> no. Using her, her katana sword to like move him around <laughs> and puppet him out. around like they did. <laughs> no, wait, guys. Come back. Oh, wait. I got to sign it. <laughs> it like, we're, so not, we're not staying with this group. You guys are jerks. <laughs> You're sickos. <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have been funny. She's like, "Oh, I think this is your guy," and like, "No, that that's not like that." Just, just <laughs> I mean, just because he's wearing a weird shirt, that's a Hawaiian shirt. Like, who doesn't like Hawaiian shirts? Right. We don't know Jimmy. That could be Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought, how how do you know? Anyway, um, and just assume. I mean, he probably would have been a little bit more fresh. So maybe that's kind of like she put two and two together. Yeah, he did look a little fresh. He did seem to have. 
He did look a little bit more human, which I, I realized he was a, a new walker and, and hadn't been, you know, a, a, a seven-year-old walker like some that we see and pretty grotesque. He did seem to be pretty fresh, but he also seemed kind of human. Did you see how the, when he when he did die or when Michonne got him through the head and he really died, I guess, um, he, he really seemed to have that look of turn on his face like when a human dies versus when a walker dies because walkers don't quite have that i just saw a little flicker of like not quite emotion but kind of like you know when when someone is stabbed and dies there's that human expression of the, like the life leaving them yeah and i felt oh. like i got that look a little bit versus any other walker you just stab in the head and they just drop and this guy seemed to have a little bit of an expression as he like he really died um hmm. so, i'll have to look at that a little bit closer because they did kind of like pan on him as they yeah. left. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Yeah. That's just what I, I could be totally crazy. I don't know. Um, could be just watching it too many times or maybe I just wanted to see it. I don't know. My last note, I just wanted to comment uh, because we talked about Hilltop, but the one thing that we didn't really talk about was how awesome it looked. Did you love oh, those yeah, drone shots? Good. Yeah. I mean, when the farm looks great, I know. The fields. Yeah. got some good crops going. You can see how it's expanded beyond the gates, which is what they were wanting to do. Grow the crops and, and, and continue to grow. We saw Enid, you know, she's like a full on medical professional um, and she's growing these medicinal herbs. And, you know, it's, it's <laughs> medicinal, medicinal. You know, Jesus got a crop of wheat yeah. somewhere out there. Well. Because she's probably, what, like 23, 24? So, like, mm-hmm. her and Jesus, yeah, like, oh, no, this is for my back pain. Hey, it I'll is medicinal. Glaucoma is- doesn't go away in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. This is Jesus' sweet, sweet medicine. There there are some legit uh, uses for that. You know there's a crop of weed growing out there. And if there mm-hmm. isn't, I'm extremely disappointed. Yeah. You are missing out on an opportunity right there but i really loved how we got these overhead shots um there in the beginning showing hilltop and then at the end when the group all heads out wasn't that a great feeling there at the end i i don't know it felt like this purpose a little bit i I just i don't know i really liked it that little end shot of everyone going out the dog is leading the group with (laughs) daryl who is the only person left that has gasoline in in at all and jumps on his motorcycle and it's got that overhead shot of them, you know, uh, and it pans out as they're, you know, uh, progressing down the road. I loved it. I thought it was really great. Um, so it, it was a little bit of a slow kind of ish episode. Uh, I feel like that for the penultimate, but I liked it. And, um, that was, I think that's all my notes. I think that's all. And yeah. this episode was directed by Michael Cudlitz. Yeah. FYI, I saw that. For that anyone cool. that didn't know. So yep. That was cool. The only thing I noticed, if you look when uh, Carol and Henry are saying bye to to Daryl, they go walking in, and it looks like one of the extras was supposed to like either walk in front of him or walk behind him really quick. Uh-huh. And she kind of like stops and like does like a shuffle and then walks in front of him. Oh, so I missed it, that. <laughs> it added like a realistic element to it, but I think she might have missed a cue. Missed your cue there. <laughs> now you're supposed to be standing over there. That's Gosh, cool. Dang I, I it, totally, Betty. I totally missed that. Missed that even on two watches, so that's a bummer. I'll have to go back and catch that. I like it. Yeah, great episode. Good episode. I'm excited for um, next week with the mid-season finale, see what we find out and what's to come. I'm excited. With that, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? 
time to talk about our sponsor, and that's Fracture. So almost everyone takes and shares photos online, but very few of those photos in, end up printed and even fewer end up on display. Um, so I think with Fracture, you can focus on the moments that mean the most in your life by turning your favorite digital memories into meaningful photo decor. I know I have gotten a fracture of a picture of myself and my daughter whenever we had our first trip to Vegas. And that was a, a big moment in my life and be to be able to share that with, with my kid who was actually old enough to enjoy Vegas. Um, so I, I really thought that was kind of appropriate to have that printed out. Um, as a fracture and not just hidden away in my phone somewhere. So it's absolutely beautiful. They are, uh, fractures are made by printing directly on glass and they come ready to display out of the box. They even include the wall hanger. Um, they're very sleek, frameless design. It goes with any decor, so it'll match anything that you have in your home. Uh, fracture prints make thoughtful, unique gifts for almost anyone, and they're a must-have for your holiday shopping list. It's definitely a good time to order right now, right? We're coming up on the holiday season, so it's definitely time to start you know, going through some of those pictures that might mean a lot to someone that someone might love to have hanging up on their wall or sitting on their desk. Fracture prints are handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials, and they are a green company operating a carbon neutral factory, which I also very much appreciate. Have you ever gotten a fracture, Sean? I have. The uh, very first picture of me, my mom and dad, and my son, uh, I was based at the hospital. I got that fracture and gave it to my mom and dad for, I think it was Christmas or Mother's and Father's Day, one of those two, but gave it to them for them to display and they come with not, the one we had came with a nice stand. You put it on the stand; it's there for everybody to see, and it's just really cool. You know, it's not just a picture, but it's kind of a piece of art to an extent. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Great experience. Was easy to upload the picture and easy to take care of. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, they do make it super easy to order. I was expecting a little bit of a like, okay, I'm gonna get into this, and I was expecting it to be a lot harder, but I was it was done within just like a few minutes. So super easy. Yeah, they make really great pictures. So visit Fracture Me dot com slash dead for a special discount on your first fracture order. Don't forget to pick Walking Dead Cast in their one question survey after checkout. It helps support the show. So fractureme.com slash dead. Thanks, Fracture. Thanks, Fracture. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people it kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Dead Cast news update. Okay, so now we're ready for news about The Walking Dead. So this week, there was an interview with Angela Kang. This is from Entertainment Weekly. So uh, first question, they say, uh, so first off, let's get to the most important thing right off the bat. Daryl has a dog. <laughs> Norman's been telling uh, the magazine for like six years that he wanted a dog on the show. So tell me how he finally got his wish. Uh, Angela Kang says, well, when I started the show in season two, I was also team Daryl should have a dog. It's this kind of thing that's been batted around for a long time, and it never happened. And to be honest, a dog would have died pretty quick during some of the seasons that they were in. So we were talking about how can uh, we show the state that Daryl's in. I thought it would be great that he's been off for a while while Rick's presumed dead. Daryl just went off. And Daryl is somebody who hunts and goes about and does things, and it seemed like a dog is a good companion. It shows that there's still a desire for him to have a connection somehow. And so the dog is his faithful companion. In my mind, there's also a story behind where that dog came from. And so that's how we ended up with the dog. 
they say, well, look, you can kill whatever person you want. Don't touch the dog. Sticking with Daryl, it seems like he's had some difficulty with closure after losing Rick. What's going on here with him searching for his buddy and then just kind of staying off by himself? I don't know if there's a grid in the apocalypse, but if there is, he's been living off of it. Uh, Angela says, when that didn't result in anything, he just kind of became the lone wolf that he always was kind of half-threatening that he would be. He's always going around saying, I'm better by myself. There are moments when he kind of wants to run away from the group, and he finally did it. I think that in our minds in the story, he probably spent some time trading between the communities. He kept somewhat in contact. Obviously, Carol knows where he's at, but the contact seemed less and less and less over time. And that just felt very true to kind of who Daryl is, but also just where his headspace is at. Because what's he going to go back to? He really doesn't want to be the bureaucratic leader of a community. He lost his brother. And in some ways, he lost his way when that happened. So that's kind of the starting point for him. And then we'll see what I hope is an interesting arc for him over the course of the season as Carol comes and draws him back into the fold somewhat. There was also an interview with uh, Michael Cudlitz, who everyone hopefully remembers did play Abraham Ford um, before he was offed by Negan. So he directed this episode. And in this interview, they had a couple of interesting things to say. I'll go over a couple of those. So they said, something I've heard from everyone this season, including when I spoke to Josh McDermott recently, is how collaborative it is with the new showrunner, Angela King. It seems like it's a place where that is definitely encouraged this season. He says, yep, absolutely. It's just different ways of working. I think at this point, it's needed for the people who have been there a long time and have so much invested in it. It's a way to reward them in a way. So it's definitely something that's respected in the sense of from a performer's standpoint, when you're able to have input and your input is respected the other way. It's a good situation. Uh, they say, and clearly there's a new energy energy now with all the changes. He says, I think she uh, has a really wonderful creative thing going on. It's just completely different technique of running things than former showrunner Scott Gimple was doing. It's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but I think there's a reason he was finished in that position. It was just time. It was time for him to do something else with the show for the show to grow. And although personally, I would prefer Carl and everyone else to still be there that is historically there in relation to the comic book because they have lost who they have lost. It was a wonderful choice to have Andy go because it's literally a clean slate. Nobody can ever say again, well, that's not what they did in the comics. We're so far from the comics that you would sound like an idiot if you said something like that, because it just has no bearing on the stories we're telling anymore, other than the circumstances, the world, and the locations we go to. So it's Michael Kidd's like, listen, I know you like to collaborate, so this is what I'm thinking. So, Abraham, when he <laughs> was about to get struck by Negan, wait for it, hit under a trash can, a dumpster, if you will. For six years, he survived under a dumpster, and then boom! <laughs> Shows up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I still got my mustache and red hair. I could do this. He could totally do that. Yeah, he looks a lot different now. They had him on um, The Talking Dead after the show aired, and he no longer has his um, bright red hair and his big stash uh, anymore. He's kind of gone back to his, uh, I, I guess his hair's a, a natural blonde, but he, look, he looks a lot more blonde and gone is the stash. Big, big porn stash. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, all right, now it's time for listener moans, groans, and grunts. Uh Our first one comes from Lisa Ott. I love it. I love how they're showing survival methods. Daryl tanning hides. Ha <laughs> ha, gardening, smithing, smithing. The dialogue is so much more natural feeling compared to the last three seasons. I am back on board and finally excited again from week to week. Kristen Howe says, I thought Daryl with a dog was going to be cheesy, but it works. Glad to see him with dog. First time in a while I've been creeped out by the show. That opening sequence was great. 
Heather Hildebrand, I'm dying to know what happened between Maggie and Michonne over the past six years that's so bad that Michonne isn't sure what Maggie will do if she shows up at Hilltop. What did Michonne do to piss off Maggie? And why do Daryl and Michonne both have the same X-shaped scar on the lower left of their backs? Daryl had a second one, too, near his right shoulder, I believe. Oh, so you think you were right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I guess I missed that. I saw that he had, like, lots of scars, not just, like, the one that Michonne had, but um, I totally missed that one was shaped as an X. Ugh. And why do we assume? I don't know that it was Michonne that pissed off Maggie. Maybe it was Maggie that pissed off Michonne. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Ed Lester says, hats off to the great acting from Dog. My dog was glued to the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and when Dog was in trouble, my dog started whining and barking. <laughs> Poor oh. little guy was worried. You know what my dog was too? My dog was lying, one of my dogs was lying on the floor next to the bed as I was watching. And um, dog, it, he was barking when he was surrounded by the walkers in the trap. And she was asleep and she lifted her head up and she was like, what? What's going on? There's a dog in distress. <laughs> Yeah, we're happy dog was okay. <clears throat> yeah, my little dog would just look at it and be like, mm, if you die, <laughs> I'm totally going to eat you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sean Narho Glowacki, if dog dies, we riot. <laughs> Absolutely. Brad Holt says, I enjoyed it. The mystery of what happened to divide the groups and make Michonne so paranoid deepens when we see that Daryl has two X scars. Did you notice that Daryl's vest is now missing one of the angel wings? Ooh, no, I didn't notice hmm. that at all. Damn. Yeah, I, I didn't either. God, I missed so much. Um, that would be tough, though, for that to last another six years, I think, though, realistically. That'd have to be some really good stitchery there, wouldn't it? Um, he goes on to say, is that a nod to Rick being gone? Hmm. Oh, that's good. I don't know. Um, also, did you notice the C. Thomas Howell cameo? I did. Barely. He has aged. <laughs> he has aged. But yes, I did notice. Like that. Thank you, Brad. Tracy Kennedy. Was he Bernie the zombie and Paisley? <laughs> Michael Darwin says, I liked the episode, but they're starting to backslide into bad habits. Skipping over the Eugene talking dead story arc and stretching out the journey to Hilltop feels like mm. the bad old days. Dangerously, they're tiptoeing that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Carper, I am loving that the show is feeling scary again. It's keeping me on my toes for creepy Zeds in the woods. I'm also glad we get, got to see more of the gang and what they have been up to the last six years we missed. And it was so cool seeing the new gang and what, gang and what weapons they're experts in. Slingshots, taking a page out of Bart Simpson's book. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that's clever. Bryson Wolf, I was really looking forward to this one after last week, but I don't think I really liked it. The acting seems cheesy and bad now. I guess they're trying to go for a more comic booky feeling now. It just seems odd. Oh, and I don't buy the slingshots. Cheesy as fuck. Juan Frasto, I may be alone on this, but this new TWD is not working for me. I want to like it, but just feels forced. Hmm. Alicia Stout says... Daryl seems angsty along with Grunty now, but yay for dog. <laughs> Fran Bernstein, I'm totally digging Luke. He just seemed so real to me, and I definitely miss Judith. We need more Judith. She's a cutie, but it's probably good to have a break from her. She, she, I think, can be borderline too cutesy if we yeah. have too much of her. She's adorable as shit, but I don't want her to become too cutesy. She um, gets to be kind of like that guardian, or kind of like that angel too much, maybe. Yeah, like a little goody, bit. Goody, goody, two shoes. Yeah. 
Um, Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, the episode kept my interest. I don't miss Rick at all. <laughs> it was getting like a small dynasty. The series imploded into the Grimes family and its extended family. I like the development of the series towards a larger scope with all our faves there as well. Rick became too overbearing as a character. Oh, goodness. I don't know what to say to that, so I'm not going to say anything at all. <laughs> anyway... Awesome. So we also have some calls this week. So we have a voicemail first from Bob. Hey, guys, just wanted to call in and talk about today's episode. I was happier with this episode than last episode. I think that the writers did a good job exploring more of the cast, and uh, I really enjoyed it. One of the things that I really liked was when Luke was talking about the Neanderthals versus the ancient humans and the thought of how come ancient humans outlived the Neanderthals when the Neanderthals were better in almost every sense of the word. And I thought one of the nice things was, I, I thought it was very symbiotic to, I'm still going to call them Rick's group, where no matter who they've been against, uh, whether they were more vicious or not, they've always seemed to come out on top because there was more to live for than just surviving. Um, the other thing I really liked was uh, Daryl and Carol, which I always love, but um, the wilderness has seemed to make it so Daryl has lost a little bit of gravel in his voice. It's a little bit easier to understand now, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that he's going to be leaving and going with Henry to Hilltop, and he was like instantly welcome there, and that was really fun. Um, I think Norm! I'm sure other people think that Carol kind of <laughs> set that whole thing up. Uh, getting the dog stuck in the snare and causing that little ruckus there in the middle of the night. And I like that she was standing there ready to defend her son if he needed any help. But thank God he didn't. But it was overall, it was a great episode. And uh, I look forward to seeing more. And thanks, guys. And I won't forget my zombie sound today. So... <laughs> There you go. Thanks again. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> nice zombie noise. Great voicemail. Thanks, Bob. Very good zombie noise. I feel like I don't get to hear those very often anymore. Everyone forgets. We also have a call from our friend Steve Brown. Hello, Walking Deadcast. This is Steve with just a, a few quick notes on tonight's uh, episode Stradivarius. I, I really liked it. I'm, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with the music and I'm really noticing the music more often now, and I loved the, the very end when they're all riding off. It was very old west like going mm -hmm. out to do uh, to do like a mission. So I, I really liked it just the way uh, Cudlitz directed this and the shots that he chose were really really good. And I'm impressed with that. Um, as soon as I, I heard Tara tell Jesus that he had been reelected as the leader of Hilltop, I realized that Michonne didn't know that Maggie had left. And, of course, that's confirmed just a few uh, scenes later. Uh, confirmed just a few scenes later. But, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that, that when are we going to find out what happened to cause this gigantic schism uh, between the communities? And uh, what's with all these scars on everybody's back? Obviously, something huge happened here. Uh, and loved seeing... Uh, uh, 
Carol giving Daryl a haircut and uh, uh, kind of picking the lice out of his. I don't, I don't know if there's lice in there or not, but <laughs> it was just it was it was a, a fun scene to to kind of watch and uh, just liked it. I, I liked that uh, that he has the dog and uh, uh, that that was the first time the dog had ever actually tripped the the snares. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if that's going to come up again or not, but uh, can't wait to hear what you guys said. Thanks. Awesome. Lots of good thoughts there, Steve. Thank you so much. Yeah, it did kind of look like they were picking lice. Another hair there. That was funny. Okay, now we have a voicemail uh, from Chris from Brooklyn. Um, hey, my name's Chris, and I'm calling from Brooklyn. Um, so just a couple thoughts about the show. Um, you know, I thought after Gimple left it, my love-hate relationship with Walking Dead might swing more into the love column. And for the most part it has, but but then, you know, we saw those scars on Daryl's back, and it just seems apparent that the mystery about what happened in the years of the time jump is going to be sadistic, evil people who do awful, cruel things to protagonists. How original! Um, so, yeah. Um, and then, you know, after nine seasons, somebody finally gets a pair of scissors to feral Daryl's head, and that's all she does with it? Why does AMC want Norman Reedus to look like he smells like rancid swamp ass? Um, <laughs> I did, though, have a giggle when Daryl threw the zombie foot into the fire, and Carol said, so nice of you to cook dinner for us. Um, thanks so much. Don't get bit. Bye. <laughs> get your Norman Reedus Walking Dead-inspired rancid swamp ass perfume. If they bottled rancid swamp ass and said it smelled like Daryl Dixon, that shit would be sold out in five <laughs> minutes. He he really doesn't. Norman Reedus does not smell. But if you've never had an opportunity to meet Norman Reedus um, and get close enough to smell him, he actually smells very pleasant. I can say from experience. So um, thank God he doesn't smell like what you imagine him to on the show. <laughs> anyway, great voicemail there, Chris. Thanks for sending that in. I'm going to be laughing for days over that one. Now we also have our last voicemail, and that is from Sarah from Utah. Hey guys, this is Sarah from Utah. I'm calling about what Rick might be doing. I haven't watched season or episode seven yet, but I just wanted to call him with a theory because everybody's talking about like what would keep Rick away from his family for so long for those six years. And actually my husband, this is my husband's idea, but he doesn't listen to the podcast. So I'm going to take credit for it. Um, he <laughs> you thinks should. that it has to be something that Rick is helping them by being there. So Rick wouldn't just stay away because he's in a safe place. So this, like, this is an elaborate theory, but it must be like some sort of research thing where we've always thought that Rick holds the key to the cure, you know, because it seems like too much of a coincidence that he's been potentially exposed to Walker blood so many times and has never gotten sick. So I know we're, it's a little out there, but just bear with me. It has to be like his, he's the key to like curing this. And so maybe he's at like a really advanced research facility to where by staying there, he could help end this. And so maybe that's like the three movies will be wrapping up Walking Dead and hopefully it ends happy and Rick one day will be reunited with Judith and Michonne and the baby he's never met. I always like hold on to the idea that all my shows are going to end happy, even shows that have been so heartbreaking as The Walking Dead. Anyway, that's my theory. Uh, I love listening to you guys. Thanks. 
Oh my gosh, she loves listening I, to us. That, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised how? she knew we we're doing this. That's crazy. How, thanks, how did, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. How did they know? I like her ideas, but gosh, yeah. I don't know about that ending though. I, I you know, yeah. as much as I'd love to have a happy ending in this show, I don't think we're gonna get one. But I, I at least like where your head's at there, Sarah. I love the positivity. So yeah, I think for the time away, my theory, I think, is that, and I have nothing to like besides me just thinking out loud. I think Rick might be like overseas. Like that's the only thing I could think of would make him not be able to come back right away. Like six years would, is a long time. It's a long time, and what in the world could keep him away from Michonne and mm. Judith? And then because um, I don't think he knew about the baby to no, come, yeah. even though they were planning on it. I don't think he had any knowledge. So um, I don't know. It would have to be something I think big to keep him away. And I guess maybe we'll find that out when those movies finally come about. All right, that's our show, episode 334. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, thanks, Jason, for letting us do this, the strange indeed takeover. <laughs> I feel like I need to let my Negan out. Yeah, like, I think... God damn, Jason! <laughs> oh my God, that this was podcast, brilliant. This <laughs> podcast? Do you think you got a big mic, Jason? <laughs> we got a bigger mic. God damn! <laughs> oh my God, that's... That's so hilarious. <laughs> I want I want that as a ringtone, FYI, Jason, when you're doing this audio. Um, yeah, thank you, Jason, for allowing us to go ahead and man your ship here on Walking Deadcast uh, while you were unable to join in this week. So we hope that it did justice. Um, and then we thank everyone for sticking around and, you know, um, allowing Sean and I to have fun with the Deadcast this week. Um, yeah, we just, hope that just you had fun. Just stay with Jason and everybody in California. Be safe. You know, if, you know, evacuation orders, listen to your news, listen to your anybody that's telling you what you need to do, and you know, be safe. And Jason, you know, when you're editing this, hopefully you're in a good, safe place, and uh, you know, hopefully you get back home pretty soon. Yeah, everyone in California, stay safe. Our thoughts are definitely with everyone out there dealing um, in Southern and Northern California with the fires. So we're thinking of you and stay safe. Okay, so if you'd like to call us, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Like what? Oh, like the great show that Rima and I do every week, Strange Indeed. If you watch a lot of Netflix originals, we're talking Haunting on Hill House, which we're covering right now, Stranger Things. Uh, what other ones do we do, Rima? Uh, we just did Maniac. Maniac. Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. Uh, yeah. We covered Castle Rock as well. So any kind of weird, strange shows, you should check it out there. And to further plug myself, mm -hmm. uh, I also have a podcast that comes out every single Sunday called The Language of Bromance. So if you like my comedy style, you're going to love that podcast. And if you're going to be in Chicago on November 27th, that's the next Tuesday, I believe, after this comes out, we're going to be doing a live Language of Bromance podcast at the Beat Kitchen for the 2018 Chicago Podcast Festival. So if you're in the area and want to come out and have some laughs, check it out. So tickets are only, I think, 12 bucks, so super cheap. And you'll be able to meet me there. Come say hi and say, hey, I heard we should see this from the Walking Dead cast. And you're not really funny. So we want our $12 back. <laughs> run, Sean, run. <laughs> That's awesome. So next up is The Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 8, Evolution. Hosted by Jason and Lucy. 
All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit, bit, Bryson Wolf. Yeah.